the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. MTA Flint is nationally recognized for continually seeking to provide sustainable, reliable, and cost-efficient transportation for individuals throughout the region. Through work-related and non-emergency medical transportation and your ride services, MTA is moving people with future and alternative fuel technologies. More information about MTA Flint and specialized services is available at mtaflint.org. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour. I'm Tom Sumner. We're going to shift gears a little bit uh, this hour and uh, talk about um, a story of, of survival and, uh, and revival, actually, uh, as contained in the book by my guest. Uh, the book is called The Devil Thought He Had Me. The author is Wendell White, and he joins me by phone. Wendell, welcome to the show. Good morning, sir. Thanks for having me. Um, this, uh, I mentioned this was a story of, of survival and revival, but it's a little different um, in some respects. Not, not all... Uh, stories of of revival or rebirth uh start out in the trunk of a car yeah absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> you you, you want to tell that story a little bit and and what happened and and the thoughts that went through your head well it was um june 22nd 1999 and um it was. It all started with a with a drug deal that I was I was I was about to be involved in a drug deal, not knowing that um, the guys that I was about to sell the drugs to were actually um, about to set me up, and um, that's what happened when that when when I got to the guys, uh, it was all a setup, and they end up um, beating me real bad, beating me with bats, and it was about twenty guys, and they all took turns beating me, and they all wanted. Um, all for drugs and money. So um, after they after they was beating me and um, they was demanding all this money from me, telling me they wanted all this kind of money from me, uh, when I told them I didn't have the money that they wanted, but I did have a certain amount of money that they could have, um, 
I called my my son's mom, and I only had, had one son at the time, and this was uh, my son's mom. I called my son's mom, told her to um, the the guys was about to call her to do exactly what they said, and um, to do exactly what they say. She did that. Um, they put me in the trunk of a car and um, drove me around. I guess until they um, got in, got got her, and she gave them the money or whatever that they was asking for, and then they laid me on the side of a garbage can, man, and uh, some guys walking through an alley, they found me <laughs> and um, called the police for me and the ambulance for me, and then, hey, I'm I'm here by the grace of God. I'm here. How how did... Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really struggling with how they didn't shoot you or finish the job in some way. Well, I don't think they. I don't think they initially. Um, the initial thing were to was to kill me. I don't think that because um, the guy that did it, the the the, the guy that um, had all this done, it was it was it was my mom's brother, which was my uncle. Um, he was the he was the first person to hit me with the bat. Um, he was the first person to start at the attack. So I don't think that initial. Um, thing was to kill me i just think it was for the drugs and money and like the bible said um you know for the love of money is the root of all evil so um it, it was a loved one that did it to me somebody who i looked up to all of my life who i who i admired all of my life even started selling drugs because i saw him sell drugs and was very very good at it um had a by the time he was like 25 years old he had accumulated like over a million dollars in drug proceeds selling drugs so this is the guy that who, who, who i picked up all my bad habits from i wanted to be like him i wanted to you know drive the fancy cars have all the women and, and things of that nature I, I got this from him and um he was down on his luck and i guess he saw me as an easy easy prey because i because he know i trusted in him and so i don't think that um they the 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 goal was was to kill me, but they knew they that they had to do you know they had to try to make an example to get the money. So, but they beat me pretty bad though. I was in the hospital for like six weeks. Then I it took me another like four weeks to finish healing up on my best friend's couch. So I, I was I was in pretty bad shape. And according to a, a quote I had just pulled from the jacket of your book. Um, it, it says uh, <laughs> that you you thought, now how in the world did I get here? Um, uh, how did you get there, and and how did this event um, cause you to to pivot, Wendell? How did you not get up off your buddy's couch and say, you know, I, I survived to deal another day? Well, the thing about it is, start it, it, it all started how I got there. It, 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 it didn't happen when I was 18 years old. It all started when I was like 10. It, it actually all started at birth because everybody, my, my from my grandmother to my mother and everybody that 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 I was raised around, they dealt drugs. So it's like the average child that. Um, you when you a Harvard student, and your mom done been to Harvard, your dad done been to Harvard. You know you try to make this part of the family tradition. This is the tradition. Well, my family didn't go to Harvard. My family didn't go to Yale. We all lived in the projects on the south side of Chicago, and we all sold drugs. 
so as as a child watching um, my loved ones sell drugs, sell drugs, sell drugs all of our lives, you just come accustomed to this is what I'm supposed to do. You just I'm joined the family to. business. Absolutely. You just joined the family business. Absolutely. So you follow in the footsteps of the people that you look up to, the people that's supposed to be nourishing you and taking care of you. If this is what they're showing you, this is what you adapt to, and this is what you come accustomed to. So selling drugs was in my life. I've been around drugs all of my entire life. So I came accustomed to this is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I, I, I don't supposed to be trying to go get an education and go to school and do things like that. I'm supposed to sell drugs. So that's where it all started from. It started from birth. How did, how did say, you realize, Wendell, that that there was another way if that was the normal how did you not get up off your buddy's couch and say i'm back at it well the thing about it is i did i didn't actually i didn't i actually didn't um didn't change i actually didn't change my way of living until like i wrote that book based on i wrote that book based on um previous things that I had done when I was when I was 18 19 years old I'm 40 years old now but even even as then I um I didn't I didn't pivot my ways I continued to do the same thing I continued to do the same thing that I was doing for another for another um I'm gonna say another um 10 years after that I didn't actually get my life together and, and find out that there was a different way until I was like um 32 years of age you know, I, I moved from Chicago and moved to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I reside right now. And I um I, I I met I met this young lady who's now my wife and she introduced me to a church. She introduced me to this church called Unity Gospel House of Prayer, um by um pastor by Pastor Marlon Locke and his wife, Lady Kimberly Locke. Um and, and, and that's when I that's when I start that's when I start um that's when I start I, when, once I joined that church, I started to understand that God has purpose for my life. He spared me for a reason. He spared me in order to, you know, get my life together and give my life unto him and, and, and live out his purpose. But even on, on laying on that, on that couch, on my friend, my best friend's couch healing up, I never knew an alternative because I've never seen an alternative. So I never knew it was nothing different. That's Only that's. Thing I was thinking, that's what I was wondering. It was, you know, how you um, were able to see that there was a a different path, a different direction to go in, and not just the same old, same old. Was that experience you had um, at eighteen, getting beaten, stuffed into the trunk of a car? Was that? Um, did you look at that as as just part of the life? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, that that was that was part of that was that was that was that was part of the um the life that I was living and I knew there were consequences there were consequences to the to the to the sinful life that I was living, but I knew that was part of it because a year before that, um in August of two thousand I mean in August of nineteen ninety eight, I was shot twice. So I knew that was a it's a possibility, see in the, in the gang and in in, in selling drugs, we know as gang bangers and as and as um, people that sell drugs, we know that there's a there's a consequence 
we know that there's a consequence to our actions. We we don't we we not naive. We know it's a it's it's a possibility that you could go to jail. We know when we shooting a gun, it's a possibility that you could kill someone and go um to to prison for the rest of your life, or that you could be killed. We know all of these things, but what we don't know is an alternative. It's easy to tell a person go get a job, go to school, go get an education. But when you don't see the people that, that that's telling you this, doing the things that that they're telling you to do, how can you really take heed to that? And and that and that's what we don't understand as people. Like you can't tell me to do something, and and, and I don't see you doing it. Like you telling me to go to school and get an education, but you don't have an education. You telling me to go get a job, but I ain't never seen you work a job. Only thing I've seen you do is sell drugs. So how can you tell me that that and 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 that's and that's the mindset we we build up? How can you give me an alternative? How, how do I know an alternative if I've never seen one? Once you made the the uh, decision to to go in a different direction with your life, how many episodes did did you look back over and and see where? you know, you had come very close to um, losing your life. Oh, man. And that's that's exactly what my book, that's exactly what my book entails about all all of the um, God's grace and his mercy over my life. Because it wasn't nothing but by the grace of God. Like, we use that term so freely. We use that term uh, by the grace of God so, so freely and like, you know, and we don't really, we don't, we don't really understand the grace of God until you get under the umbrella of um, God's power and and the Holy Spirit's power and Jesus' power, and then you start to recognize and realize, man, it had to be a God because it's certain situations I know I shouldn't have got out of. It's certain situations that I know I should have been dead, and I know now by the grace of God that I was able that I'm able to right now be here talking to you this morning to share my story with the world to let people know, um, yeah, we, we all go through some storms. We all, we all going to go through our ups and downs. But, man, God is faithful. God is great. And his grace and his mercy is sufficient. And, if, and, if, and, if, and if the things that you're going through is not, is not by accident. It's, 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 not, it's nothing that you're going through by accident. So when you when you look back, when I look back over my life and see how far God done brought me and where, where God done brought me from, man, I can't do nothing but give God praise and give God thanks for for allowing me now to be a voice to his people to let people know, hey, don't, hey Jesus can, can find you wherever you are. Don't never think you can go so low where Jesus can't find you. He can come, he can come as low as you think you are. Hey, Wendell, I... Um... I, I want to talk about some more of these and and more about the the path um, toward righteousness. Um, but I have a break coming up here. Can you stick around for a few minutes and then we'll talk some more? Absolutely. My guest is uh, Wendell White, and uh, the name of his book is The Devil Thought He Had Me. We're going to talk uh, some more with Wendell after we let our broadcast partners at W. FOV 92.1 FM in Flint. Squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be right back. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors. 
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue uh, my conversation with the author of The Devil Thought He Had Me, Wendell White, who uh, is joining me by phone from Milwaukee. Wendell, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Um, in the in the last segment, I, I was talking about one of the one of the stories that's that's told and uh, covered on the um, well, it's it's actually included on the jacket for your book. Uh, the devil thought he had me is the story of being uh, of having a drug deal go kind of sideways on you, and and they started beating you for all the drugs and all the money throwing you into the trunk of a car and and you wondered how in the world did I get here and and then you casually mentioned a time even before that when you were shot and I and I asked about all the times that you really ran into life-threatening situations because of the the path you were on um can you share a couple of those um, well, the night that I was shot, it was it was it was August twentieth, nineteen ninety eight, and uh, we we man, when I was just at my best friend's house, who I was healing up um, when I after I got put in the trunk, and I we were just out there, we was outside and we was partying, smoking um, marijuana and drinking, and we were just partying, and one thing led to another. Um, we end up me and me and my cousin, um, we end we end up getting into it with some guys. In that neighborhood, because we wasn't, we weren't, we weren't from that neighborhood. Uh, we were, we were from a different neighborhood in Chicago. Uh, we weren't from that neighborhood, so we ended up getting into it with the guys that lived in that neighborhood. And one thing led to another. We end, we end up um, shooting at each other, and I end up getting shot in the arm and in the leg. Um, when I got shot, and uh, the significance about me getting shot was when I did get shot, the bullet that's in my leg. The doctor told my mom that he don't know how that bullet missed my artery because the bullet in my arm, it had shattered my arm. My arm was, I was in a cast for 18 months. And he said for what the bullet did to my, my, my arm, he don't know how that bullet missed my artery because I still got the bullet in my leg right now. But it is it, real close to the artery. It was so close to the artery that they didn't even try to take it out, but they said it would never move. So um, that was 20 years ago. I was 17 years old when I got shot. So, um, man, so, yeah, man, God God, God has been good to me. God has spared me for a purpose. He spared me for a reason, and I know that. Like, it's been so many, it's so many um, other stories I could tell you, man. If I get to telling you all the stories of how, how God spared me and my family members, um, People done threw Molotov cocktail bombs through our house, trying to burn our house down because it was a drug house. And and, and nobody died. Nobody perished. People done came and oozed the house up. Nobody died. Nobody got shot. So, it's, man, there's so many stories that I can tell you. We'll be here. We'll be, we'll be sitting here to, to tomorrow sometime if I, if I continue <laughs> to tell you all the stories, how God, how God grace covered me and my family, you know, in the times where we were doing evil. But his grace and his love still covered us, and he still watched over us, you know. And I believe a lot of it is because we were children, you know. We 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 were so young, and we were just doing the things that we were taught. You mentioned 
moving to Milwaukee. What prompted the move? You know what? Um, that's a great question. Uh, my best friend, my best friend, had just got killed. We was in a we was in the middle of a a big war in Chicago. We were we were. It was a lot of people dying. There was a lot of shooting going on, and um, the, the 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 gang that we were fighting against one night once one Sunday night in um, 2007, they followed my best friend home, and while he was sitting in his driveway on the phone with his sister, they murdered him. They, they shot him eight times. They murdered him. And uh, the word on the streets is I was next. Everybody, they were all looking for me. Everybody saying they was going to kill me. It was just a lot going on. And uh, so everybody everybody was just telling me, like, uh, you know, they in, 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 in Chicago, they called me Dale. They were just saying, Dale, man, you just need to leave. They're going to kill you. They're going to kill you. You need to leave. You need to leave Chicago. You need to leave Chicago. So at first, you know, I was just, I was, you know, being hard-headed, being tough. I ain't going nowhere. I ain't going to let nobody run me away. But then I started to think about my sons. I started thinking about my daughters. And started thinking about, you know, them growing up without a father. And uh, and I had already experienced growing up without a dad. I never, my, my, my biological father was never in my life. And I know the impact that that had on me. I know the impact that that, 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 that had on me not having a dad. So, um... I had to, I had to think, I had to think wisely, and I and I sat down and I wrestled with myself because I didn't want to appear to the to the street that I was being weak or that I was cowering out and I was leaving. But guess what? I had to be wise. I had to use wisdom for the first time and say, you know, it's time for me to it's time for me to make a change. It's time for me to get away from Chicago because I know eventually I'm gonna either kill somebody and go to jail for the rest of my life. Or somebody's gonna kill me, and then that's selfish. Leaving my children to bear and say, now what do they do? And I know, like I said, I know how that is growing up without a father in my life. So I said, man, it's time to make a move because I have to do better. By I have to do better by my children. This wasn't even about me anymore. It was about my children. And at that time, I had I had, I had nine children. So. I said I have to do better by my children. You know, I was able to provide for them, but am I ever am I am I really being the best dad that I can be by putting myself continue to put myself in harm's way? Like we don't understand as parents, we think you know, um, investing in a child is always buying them things, buying them things. No, that's not an investment. You just buying your kids a lot of stuff. Investing in your child is doing what's best for the child, helping them investing in their future, helping them grow as a person, helping them with moral standards. These are things that I had to, that I knew that I had to start instilling in my chat, my children because nobody instilled it in me. So it was like, I had to, I had to just, I had to make a move. I said, I, you know what? I have to get away from Chicago because it's time for me to start thinking, having a better mindset about my life and about my children's lives because I never wanted my children to grow up and try to follow up behind my footsteps because my footsteps was nothing to follow behind. Why, uh, why Milwaukee and and not say, I don't know, Detroit or uh, Indianapolis? Because my my siblings lived. My mom and my siblings lived in Milwaukee. My uh, mom had moved to Milwaukee. Yeah, my mom had moved to Milwaukee in 1993. But I I had came with her in 93. But I had ended up man. My mom was struggling so bad, so in about 1995, 
man, I saved up me like $15, and, man, I left school one day, and I jumped on the Greyhound and went back to Chicago. So all my siblings was there. It was already a foundation there, you know, and then I called my oldest sister, and she she told me just come on down, you know, and um, she, she had room and board for me and my three sons, and man, I, I grabbed me and my three sons, and I and I and I and I jumped on the um, I, I packed all my stuff up in the U-Haul, and I and I came on down to Milwaukee. So now you're in Milwaukee, and and you meet a, a woman, and she um, introduces you to her church. Um, talk a little bit about about the bridge between the path you'd been on, and the path you're on now. What what was that that transformation like? How long did that take before you really didn't think it was just square? Well, the thing about it, I moved to Milwaukee in two thousand. I moved to Milwaukee in two thousand and two thousand and eleven, I believe it was, and uh, no, two thousand and ten, because I met my I met my my my, my wife now in two thousand and eleven. And I, I came to Milwaukee. I was I was back selling drugs, um, and I was I was I was I was I was really I was doing my thing. I had a lot of money. Uh, so what had happened was May fourteen May fifteenth of two thousand and fourteen. Uh, I was in Chicago. I had went to Chicago for for, for to pick up my children. Because it was it was Mother's Day weekend, I had went to Chicago. Cause every weekend, I take my kids to Chicago to be with their mother, and I and I just go back to Milwaukee and just and, and just do me. Like my kids never seen me drink, they never seen me smoke, they never they never seen me indulge in nothing that was that 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 that, that was detrimental to what I was trying to teach them. Like I was the weekend warrior, you know. So I I did even even with my selling drugs. Like they never they they. they when they was at school, I sold all my drugs while they were at school. So how when did, they came home... How did you make the decision that what had been normal for you was somehow not good enough for your own kids? How, how, did, how did you even see through what you considered normal to think, I, I, I want to do something better for my kids? Because, because, because I, I knew that that wasn't normal. Like if you've been shot before, if you've been in the, put in the trunk of a car before, if you sleeping, if you sleeping in your clothes and um doing stuff like that, um because you because you afraid of you know the the police kicking in the door or somebody shooting up the house and you gotta hurry up and jump up and and, and defend yourself. Why would you want your kids to go through that? Why would why would you want your that's not that's not the behavior that's not the lifestyle that I wanted for my children. And I'm pretty sure that's not the lifestyle my mom never wanted for me. But like I said, they never showed me nothing different. So I knew in order for my children not to follow in my footsteps, I had to show them something different. But I had how to did be you, an alternative. But Wendell, how did you know there was something different to see? Because, 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 the, because the thing about it is as you grow up, as you grow, and as you um as as you become bigger and like in, in drug dealers you start you 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 go from the the the, the ten dollar the the five and ten dollar um selling nickel and diamond and you start selling quantities of drugs kilos of cocaine you start being around different environments you start being around different people then you start seeing like it it man I done sold drugs to doctors. I have sold, I done sold drugs to lawyers and doctors and things like that. So it's like 
when you look at they, when you look at they, 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 how they, how they. How they treat their wives and how they treat their children. They, they children and their wives knew nothing about what they were doing. So I knew it was a way to still be able to teach my children something different and still do what I, what I was able to do by selling the drugs. But I knew I had to get them. I had to be I had to be discreet about everything that I was doing. So that's what I did. Like even with the with the drug dealing, I had drugs in my house all the time. My, my children never knew that. I had guns in my house at the time. That my my children never knew that. I smoked I smoked marijuana. I drunk alcohol, but I've never done it in front of my children. So when when they saw dad, they just saw dad. They just they they just saw the, they just saw dad. They they went when 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 they was at school, they thought I was at work. They they come home from school and ask me, dad, how was your dad at work? Oh, it was good. They they never knew I sold drugs. Like I I explained that all to them now as they done got older and the book and, and things that came out and they done read the book and things like that, but they, they didn't know that type of life that I lived, and I, and I did that purpose. So, Wendell, when you started going to this church, and, and you started the process of deciding you wanted to live your life differently, how do you, how do you start that process? I, I mean, it's not like you have a resume to go out job hunting with. Absolutely. So what had, so what happened was when I when I went to when I when I the first time I went to Unity Gospel House of Prayer, like I said, I heard I heard Pastor Marlon Lott, the, the, the pastor, the senior pastor there. I heard a word that he that he spoke. And one thing about this guy, when he spoke this word of God, I've never been. I, I ain't gonna say I ain't never been to church before, but I never I never knew how how church really went, and I really wasn't too fond of church people because. They were always trying to, all church people that I've been around, they always want to send you to hell. They always want to tell you going to hell for what you're doing. And that, and, and that you just wanted to say, man, forget you and your God. So, man, when I came to this church, man, I heard this guy, and he was just talking. But one thing that stuck out to me when he was talking about, he was talking about himself. And he was talking about all the mistakes he had made and all the times he had failed and all the all the, all the sin that he has committed and you know how his grandfather loved him and would talk to him and you know how he had got to a place so low in his life that he was about to commit suicide and you know he he talked about himself he ain't talking about nobody else and he was talking about all the mistakes he had made and I and I and I was able to relate to that and he was telling me how he got a brother that's doing two life terms and in prison for for selling drugs and and murder and, and things like that guess what that's that's where I come from. I can relate to that. All the churches I've been to, I've never been able to relate to pastors because they always try to make me believe that they've been perfect all their life, that they've never made a mistake. So when when I heard this guy speak, it was so powerful and it was so relatable. I said, man, I I can I can I can listen to this guy. So I left that day, and I, my, my, my girl, she was my girlfriend. She wasn't my wife then. She asked me, she said, did you enjoy yourself? I said, yeah. Now, mind you, all the time while I'm in church, I'm making drug deals on my phone. I got, I got people texting me. Ask, they call on my phone. I'm telling them to text me because I'm in the middle of something. A, a, a shame to really tell them that I was at church, and they asked me, hey, man, I'm trying to get this. I'm trying to get that. I'm mad. I'll be the, um, give me the 12 o'clock. I'm making drug deals on my phone. So when I get out of church, uh, my wife, she asked me, she said, how did you enjoy it? I said, man, I like it. I, she said, would you come back? I said, yeah. She said, you going to come back with me next um, Sunday? I said, yeah, that's cool. So, man, we came back, and that was June 29th, um, 2014, 
And when I heard the, 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 the man of God preach a word again, I gave my life, I gave my life to Christ. And, and when I gave my life to Christ, I left, I left church. I went home. I gave all my drugs away. I gave all the drugs that, that, that I had away. I gave it away. I should have just flushed it down the toilet. But that, I, I, was, I was a babe in Christ, really didn't know no better. I gave all the drugs away that day. And, man, I, I, I just started my, I started my journey. I, and I told myself I tried everything else, but I've never tried this guy named Jesus. Let me try Jesus and see um, how far he could take me. And he's brought me a pretty, pretty, pretty long way. He, so how did me a pretty long way. how did you make a living then? Well, I well I started working. I, I I started working. My my wife was already working. My wife she 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 has degree in um she she has a degree in the medical field. She was already working. She always worked a, a, a nine to five job. She was sixteen years old, and then I just start I started working. God started opening up doors for me, different doors. He started opening up, and I started recognizing my passion. I started recognizing. My, my 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 pastor. He um he 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 began to um to to point to me more, point to me more, and different different men that I I started to be around began to point to me, and they start helping me. They start helping me identify my passion, and then I started to understand that I have a passion to help people. I love helping people. I love inspiring people. I love picking people up, lifting people up, and and I, and I love doing it with the youth. So then, man, the door opened. I started um teaching at. Um, a, a mentoring program at Racine and Racine um, District School District, Racine Unified School District. I started, I started my mentoring program then, and then everything just took off. God started, just started, began to open doors for me. And then he told me about the book that he wanted me to write. And, and, and man, it just, things just started happening. God, God, God told me he would provide. All I had to do was be obedient and he would provide. So I, I, I really, the provision part that was the part that was my that 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 was my most struggle in my walk because I was used to my money being in my hand. I wasn't used to saying I'm dependent on God to do this. I'm dependent on God to do that. I got to have faith. I didn't know what faith was. I didn't know what what you know God to make provision for. I didn't know what that was because guess what? What you saying God to make provision for? I was able to go see my money. I can go make ten thousand dollars in a call. One call can bring me ten thousand dollars. So. I, that that was that was the part that I had to um, I had to really get used to. I had to I, I really had to get used to, and that was the and that was the part that I um, that I really struggled with in my salvation. But man, to, by the grace of God, um, I, 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 I I I I captured the moment, and I let and I let God do what He do, and, and, and He's been doing what He do in my life ever since then. What was your first job? What'd you get your first paycheck well, I, for? Well, well, the thing, well, the thing about it, I had, I had already, I had had a resume before I, before I moved to Milwaukee. I, I, I've had jobs before. Like I, I never, I just wasn't just a plain drug dealer. Like, like one thing that we were taught um, in the drug game was you get a job to try to clean up your money. You know, so I've, I've had construction jobs and and and, and things like that. Like I've, I've had, I've had, I've had jobs before. So. No, I don't want to. I don't want to get an impression like I've never had a job. I've had jobs. I have several jobs. Even while selling drugs, I've had. I have. I had jobs. You know. So my 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 first job was man. I was like fifteen working at Burger King in Chicago. Like so, I've had jobs before. Um, did you have any money saved up, or did you just have to? Yeah. Yep. I I I had money saved up. 
but the thing one one thing one thing that I that I that I realized what God does, God would never let you keep nothing that the devil gave you. He would never let you keep that. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that's that, that's not how God operates. And when you when you when you solely surrender to, 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 to the your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he's not gonna let you keep that. He's not gonna let let you keep anything that the that the devil has given you. So the money the the money that I had saved up it went so fast. Like I, I was telling my wife, like, how, like it kind of, it kind of depressed me how fast the money went. <laughs> but I knew, I knew it had got to a point, man, where we didn't even have, we we didn't even have food. Me and my wife didn't even have food to eat. Like, and we 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 in the house with our children, and we didn't even have food on our table. We didn't have, we didn't, we the lights was about to go off, and 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 and, and things was just going on that I didn't understand. That I'm saying, like, man. God, you saying you saying you all good, you saying that you all good, but how's you all good when we struggling? But I I didn't what I didn't know at the time was this is how he was building my faith. He was just building my faith. He was helping me to understand my faith. Let me let, he was he it was all being I was being tested to see Will I go back to my old life? Will I go back to selling the drugs? Will I go back? Will I really really depend on him? You know, and that that's all it was about. And and the thing about it is, hey, I passed the test. Well, Wendell, this is uh, a, an incredibly powerful story and inspiration. Um, we're we're just about out of time, but I I feel like I I, I like to spend time with you and hear some of those stories that you said <laughs> would take us till tomorrow, but. Um, but Wendell, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your work, past, present, and future. Obviously, the book is a great place to start. The Devil Thought He Had Me by Wendell White. But uh, Wendell, do you have a website? Yes, sir. I have a website. Um, it's um, WendellWhiteSpeaks.com, and you can go on my website. I, I have a mentoring program on there. You can purchase the book. The devil thought he had me on my website, and you can. And I have a mentor program for um, for youth boys and men. That man, if you if if you trying to get to where you where you are to where you trying to go, I want to help you, and I want I want to walk you through the process of showing you like it's it's not a wall that you can't climb over and get over if you if you really put your mind to it. And, and I'm 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 I feel like I'm the perfect guy to do it because I done been in the trenches. I know how I feel to grow up without a mom, without a dad in your life. And, and you know, just with the struggles of life, especially being a, a African-American male in this society right now that we live in, I know that struggle. So um, I, you can follow me on Facebook or you can follow me on Instagram at Wendell underscore Wendell W underscore two four, the, the number two four on Instagram. And I, every day I'm on there and I'm, 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 I'm posting um, inspirational messages on there every day on my Facebook page and my Instagram page and just encouraging people to be the best them that they can be. Because once, once a person understands that God has put purpose in their life, it's nothing that they won't be able to do. Well, Wendell White, author of The Devil Thought He Had Me, it's been an honor and a privilege. We have to end it there, but keep up the good work, and thanks for sharing some of your story with us. Thank you, sir. You have a blessed day. All right. 
We're going to take a short break, but there's lots more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Hell, Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the bricks. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us at 810-339-8255, or contact us on Facebook. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner Program where to go. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your 
Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I see my minister yesterday. You know what my minister told me? He was saying how much pressure women are under from the devil and how the devil just hounds women. You know, that's rough too, being a minister. I mean, he told me, he said, you're coming here complaining about your problems and I gotta wage this constant battle against the devil. I said, yeah, Rev. <laughs> he told me his wife came in the house a few days before and she had this box. And on the side of this box was written the name of a very exclusive dress shop. The lowest dress was $85. That was on sale. <laughs> so she walks in the house and Rev says, another dress? You bought another dress? This is ridiculous. That's the third dress this week. And his wife tells him, the devil made me buy this dress. <laughs> said, I didn't want to buy no dress. The devil kept following me. I was going down the street going, Mm-hmm. And the devil kept following me And he kept telling me how good I look <laughs> Rev said, I'm not going for that he said, every time you do something wrong You blame it on the devil So you blamed it on the devil When you ran the car to the side of the church <laughs> It was the devil You wasn't there How do you know? He grabbed the steering wheel out of my hand Rev said, well, why didn't you step on the brake? Said, because when he grabbed the steering wheel, I tried to kick him. You can't kick him and step on the brake at the same time. Said, and we had a big fight. And that's why I was in the back seat when you all got the call. Rev said, well, how'd the devil get you to buy the dress? She said, I was going out of the Sneaked up behind me, sneak. I heard him tip until you know. I didn't want to look around because I knew it was the devil, you know. <laughs> the devil came up behind me, he said, he said, uh, say mama, look at the dress in the window there. <laughs> he said, that's your size too. He said, it's on sale too. Got a lot of them flowers in it like you like, you know. So why don't you treat yourself to that dress? And I told him, you better cut that out, devil. <laughs> bought two dresses this week. I'm not gonna buy no dress. I'm not even gonna look at it. Devil said, well, why don't you try it on? He said, I'm not gonna charge, charge you nothing to try it on. I mean, that's free. You owe yourself a try on. <laughs> I said, devil, you better leave me alone. <laughs> and he shoved me in the door. The devil just shoved me in that door. He pushed me in the door. I said, devil, stop it, please. <laughs> gonna buy that dress? I said, I'm not buying no dress, devil. And he pulled a gun. <laughs> devil pulled a gun and he threatened me and made me sign your name to a check. <laughs> Rip said, well, 
works. That how come every time the devil makes you do something, it's something for your benefit? When's the devil gonna do me a favor? And his wife tells him, he did already. I asked the devil about that. He said if it wasn't for him, you wouldn't even have a job. <laughs> This was another Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program.
text on my telephone Any way that she could get in touch with me Tell me she wasn't coming home Looking out my window I'm looking way down on the streets below Alexander Zanjic, don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 